This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Hello. How are we doing? I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, it's three days of glory. But God is about to do something amazing in this house. And he's about to do something great in your life. That at the end of these three days, you will tell, you can tell that something has happened. Something has shifted. Something has moved. And all I will ask you to do is to keep your heart open. And whilst you're doing that, it's also to hone in into the word. Get into it. Don't let just want a bit of it slip. Don't doze off. Because at the moment when you're dozing off, you've just missed a little bit. And it probably might just be the bit that you're waiting for, looking for. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is living and active. So it's living and active. Say that with me. The word of God is living and active. Let's say it again. The word of God is living. Uh, the word of God <laughs> is living and active. Thank you. Is living, is alive. The word of God is alive and it's active. In other words, the word of God is alive to do. So it has the capacity, the potential to make things happen. The Bible tells us that through his word, through the word, the whole world, the earth was created. John chapter 1. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, without him, nothing else was created that you can see or you can feel or can even imagine. So the word of God is living and active. And if his word created, he still creates today. He still creates today. His word can change you. His word can change your circumstance. His word can change your life. His word can cause you to see a brighter day. Even when you feel like your day right now is gloomy and doomy. Do me. <laughs> well, his word is able to take you up, lift you up. You know, Paul was praying. He said, I commit you to God and to his word, which he's able to make you wise. How interesting. He said, his word is able to make you wise and give you an inheritance 
amongst those who are sanctified. And what does sanctification mean? Those who are selected for a special purpose. So he's able to make you wise and give you an inheritance. In other words, make you become a heir amongst those who are specially selected. You're special. You're special. You're special. So don't, don't take yourself lightly. You're special. Look at someone else. Look at their face. And tell them you are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. Not at all. You're not. There's something in you. There's something in you that's bigger than what you can see. There's much more in you. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in you than he does in the world. And, and I tell you, you better start believing it. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You see, as a Christian, the first thing you need to do is to continue to believe in the, in the word of God, right? It's true. Because if you are not believing in God's word, you're wasting your time. It is completely true. It's completely true. It's just like a student who goes to school and does not believe that he's going to get a certificate at the end of the day. Say, I'm just going to school for the fun of it. And you come out for the fun of it. And those, those are the kind of students that never graduate. At some point, the university is going to give you paper. Sorry, you can continue. Because you don't take exams. You don't take your assessments. You're not a student. I know you're just paying and wasting your money. You can pay and waste your money, right? It's true. You can enroll and decide not to take assessments. And because you just believe, well, the professor is just lying. You know, the prof is lying. Whatever he's teaching does not really make sense, so I'm not writing the exam. Great. At some point, you're going to be given a paper asking you to please withdraw. They're begging you to withdraw. Please go. Just pulling the name of our school. And I, I dare say that as a Christian, it's more like not listening to the professor and believing what he's saying when you do not listen to God's word and believe what God is saying. Because what makes you a Christian in the first place is God's word. It's God's word. It's not a social function. It's a spiritual function. In other words, you connect to this and it makes you. Paul said, I, I commit you to God and to his word, which is able to make you wise. Forget about what it makes you. He said, but the word is able to make you. That's quite interesting. It's able to make you. And there are so many times Jesus talks about, talks about making you know, he calls his disciples, and the first thing he told them, he said, come, follow me, and I will make you. He said, well, he talked about them being fishes of men. I will make you fishes of men. It was not about being fishes. It wasn't. It was about making them, recreating their lives, refocusing their attention to something much more bigger than them. 
He's able to make you, to reform, to rephrase, to, to recreate, to transform your life. He's able to make you. He said, come, follow me. Come, follow, and I will make you. Because if they weren't fishers and they were accountants, he could have said, come, follow me, and I will make you accountants of men. Because they were fishers, so he had to use that to get their attention. But the, the, the point is not about what he makes them into. The point is about him having the capacity to change their life, to turn it upside down until they become something to be reckoned with. He'll make you. He'll make you. And if only you can start believing his word like that. Take his word for yourself and go, you know what? I believe it. I believe it. Can I, can I say something to you? Don't let a part of you believe and the other part be doubting. What does it make you? Double-minded person. And what you've just done is plus and minus makes what? Minus. Okay, mathematicians know that, right? Plus and plus makes what? Minus and minus makes what? Minus. Minus and minus. It could make plus, but in the physical world, it makes zero, nothing. You can't take nothing out of nothing. It's empty. It's already empty. And you can't take anything out of emptiness. But plus plus gives you plus. Because you are adding to where it is. And, and that was why Jesus said something about, you know, to whom that has, much is given. More will be given. Why? Because they can be trusted. They can be trusted. You believe a little, God gives you the, uh, the, the, the potential, the capacity to believe for more. You believe little miracles. God goes, you've seen this little and you are amazed. Wait, I'll do more. You know, that's exactly what Jesus told Nathaniel. He said, oh, behold Nathaniel, the guy without any sin. And Nathaniel went, oh, my Lord, my God. He said, before, before you came to me, I saw you under that tree. And he went, my Lord, oh, this is the true Israelite. He looked at Jesus and said, this is the true Israelite. And Jesus said, because you saw just this little that I've said about you, you believe? He said, there's more. You see, when you give him an opportunity, he gives you, he shows you more. He creates the capacity for you to see more. And the only way you can keep doing that is by faith. By faith. And at times, you, you look at the reality of things. Oh, reality. Reality has been um, uh, reality is overrated. It's overrated. Because what you think you see there's much more than it. But at times, what we see with our five senses, you know, you see with your eyes, you hear with your ears, you perceive with your nose, you uh, taste with, you know, you taste and all of those kind of things you feel, that's what we think that, you know, it's, you know, 5G senses, great. But there's much more. There's much more. There's much more. It's not all that we can see that there is. There's more to it. 
And that was why Jesus said, hold on, don't worry, just keep following and I will show you more. There's more to it. And tonight, I want to show you just a little bit so that you can start these three days in a way that by the third day, for some of you, possibly not all, and I hope and pray that it's all of you, but some of you will be flying in the spirit. You'll be flying. You'll be in the air. And no one can pull you down this time. Not even your lack of belief will pull you down. If only you can dare to believe just this day, today, today. Not even that circumstance can pull you down. But all I'm asking you to do is keep your heart open. Let God take you on a journey. You ready? Let's go on a journey. You know, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. And he didn't just go ahead and say, now listen, I'm going to just show you how to pray. And then started. No, he didn't start that way. Something led to that. Matthew chapter 5 or chapter 6. Verse 5. Jesus said, and when you pray, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those whose words are completely far-fetched from their thoughts. Whose words are completely different from what they are thinking. So don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. So don't be like that. So truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, that prayer will never be answered. So don't be like the hypocrites who feel like when they pray, lifting their hands in public and on the corners of the street just to be seen by others. They think that's what prayer is. Say, but I tell you that at that very point, they've received their reward. So what does that say? That that prayer will not be heard by God. In other words, the purpose of the prayer has been met. So in other words, the first thing Jesus, Jesus started to talk about is what's your purpose? What's the purpose of your prayer? What's the purpose? When you pray just to pray, You've received your reward. Because when you pray, in a sense, to say, you know, I just want to pray so that I feel like I've prayed. And after you've prayed, you feel, oh, yeah, I've prayed today. That's your reward. Thank God. But how about the answer? Because that's why most of us pray without actually waiting for the answer. But we, are be- we think we are believing for the answer, but we've just been answered. The, our hearts, our hearts cry has just been answered. Because you just want to feel peace after praying. Then you feel peace. And that's the answer to your prayer. Thank God. Your prayer has been answered very quickly. But there's something much more to believe for. In other words, your prayer should graduate further than just praying to feel like we have prayed. So tonight we're going to pray. And we're not going to pray to feel like we have prayed. We're going to pray believing for answers. We're going to pray in faith, knowing fully whether what we've prayed for will happen. So until we start to set our hearts 
on the reality of the prayers, we would not see any answer. So, we need to pray in such a way that whilst we've prayed and going, oh, yes, I've prayed. It's not just the satisfaction of praying. It's much more than the satisfaction of praying. But it's more to, I know God has heard me and I'm waiting for the things to happen. Are we still here? So Jesus said, and when you pray, do not be. So the first thing he tells us is what we should not be like. Do not be like the hypocrites. And what, what do the hypocrites do? Now, the hypocrites were not a set of people, were not specific people. They, were, they could be found anywhere. They can be here right now sitting down and smiling at me. Right? It's true. Because hypocrisy, even the hypocrite does not know he's, hypo he's a hypocrite. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, let's start again then. But, but it's true. You, you don't know you're a hypocrite until you actually introspectively look at yourself and go, oh, oh. So why, why did I do that? Why? So is the why behind the action? Is the why? Is the why? When you use um, your body spray, why did you use your body spray? Is it because you want to smell nice or because when you come around Obina, Obina will compliment you and go, hmm, you smell nice. You see, it's the why, right? When we come to church, it's the why. Did you come to church to worship? Or you came to church so that, you know, people know that you still come to church, that you have no backslidden. You might have backslidden in your heart, but you're just there. It's the why. Do, do you pray so that at least at the end of the day, everyone knows, ah, well, you know, that brother prayed really well today. That sister prayed really well. Man, they are into it. What's the why? So Jesus is saying, do not pray. Do not do it like the hypocrites. And it's time for us to start introspecting and, and, go, and go, so why do I do what I do? Why do I do it? Why do I do it? Say, so because they love to pray. They love it. You get it? They love it. They love to pray. And there's nothing wrong with loving to pray. But how do they do it? So they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And if you look at the, previous, you know, the preceding verse, it says, when you pray, pray in secret so that your father who sees you in secret can reward you openly. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling. Verse 7, let's do that. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And who are pagans? Two set of people that have been identified in this scripture. The first one is hypocrites. The second one is pagan. So who are pagans? Those who do not know God. They don't know God. Doesn't mean that they've not heard about him. But it just means that they do not have a relationship with God. They do not have a relationship. So to have a relationship means that there is a consistency in the affair. It's a consistency. So it's not a one-off. It's not today I prayed. So next three days of glory, that's when I'm going to pray. 
So these three days of glory, because you want to cover up for the 365 days, you pray loud this time and pray with so many words this time. There's no consistency in your relationship. And because there's no consistency, you find yourself wanting. So he said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling. And when he says babbling, because you're using so many words. You're just going, you know, going about it, saying the same thing, saying the same thing, saying the same thing, because you think the multiplicity, uh, multiplicity of words brings about the action. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's about the authority behind your few words. So what authority do we act on? Are we basing the answer to our prayers based on how many times and how long we pray or the authority that we pray by? I would say it's the authority. It's the authority. Let's, let's, let's leave this for a moment. John chapter 16. Do you love me? And I ask that question to say this because I'm about to wreck some of your religion. But you still love me afterwards, right? You know, there's some of us. <clears throat> oh, let's go to bab that babbling a little bit, just a little bit more. You know, at times, we just bubble out of our needs, out of our own personal need, because we lack words to say, and we bubble. We lack words. We lack the right words to express, and we just bubble. And then, how do we bubble? If I called any of you at the moment to say, I want you to pray. For some of you, you be kind of confused. So what do I pray for? So how do I pray? But for some of us, we just, you want us to pray? Okay, let's do it. And then we go. Fantastic. And possibly the first five words or ten or five sentences that they will say are memorized sentences until they run dry of those memorized sentences. Because it's not coming from the heart yet. It's not coming from the place of relationship. You know, there's a way you can say to someone that you love, I love you, and they know you don't mean it at that very moment. At times you tell them, you know I love you, they know that you're looking for something. Right? So there are so many types of I love you. You know, hon, I love you so much. You say, what are you looking for? What do you want? Because this time, it's more or less kind of telling me, I need something from you, but I have to open the door by saying I love you. But there, there, there is a way you can say to someone, almost out of the blues, but with some deep emotional, you know, um, from a, a, a deep emotional place, you just go, I just love you. And that does not sound like you're looking for something. And, and then you, you look and go, and at times I say that to my wife and she looks at me and goes, is everything all right? <laughs> is everything okay? What's happening right now? Can you tell me? Praise God. So at times it just makes sense for us to be able to make sense with our words and direct it to the right person. And who are we directing the words to? Talk to me. Just answer it without us reading the next verse. Who are we directing our words to? God. Which God? Jesus God. <laughs> I love you too. 
but to God. God the Father. Okay, question. Let's start from somewhere. So how many of us pray? How many of us believe in angels? God bless you. And how many of you know or rather believe that when you pray to an angel, your prayer will be answered? No one. Mm, great. No one. Thank God. No one in this house. Okay. How many of you believe in our blessed Virgin Mary? Yeah, I do. I do. Me too. But how many of you know or rather feel like when you pray to Blessed Virgin Mary, your prayer will be answered? No one. Not in this house. Then I'm preaching to the wrong bunch. All right, let's start again. Okay, good, good, good. How many of us pray to Jesus? Don't add more to it. We're just talking about Jesus for now. All right. And how many of us know that when we pray to Jesus, you know, as in when we pray to Jesus, everything works? And, and how many of us feel like Jesus said, you know, pray to me and your prayer will be answered? Okay. But whether or not it's answered, but as in, did Jesus say, pray to me? He said, pray to me? Uh, now you're not sure. Some of you are not sure. <laughs> You know, don't become too religious not to actually understand what the scripture says. Jesus had not said, pray to me. Jesus has said, pray to the Father in my name. In my name does not mean you have to pray to me. In my name means you are using my name as a key, as a password to the door. Are you still here? John 16 Verse 23, you know, up until this time, he was talking to the disciples how that he, he must go away. Because if he doesn't go away, the, the, the Holy Spirit will not come. And, and the disciples were a bit sad. So why would you go? Why do you need to go? But, but, but then Jesus said, but I've got to go. And you'll be happy that I leave. Because very quickly, you know, if I leave now, very quickly I'll come back. But you'll like the other one that comes. Even much more. Oh, study the scripture. So verse 23 said, and then after I've gone in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Because up until then, they were asking him everything. Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus woke up and goes, peace. Right? And then they bring their, their kids to Jesus and say, just touch them. Or bring someone that is ill or sick to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, my daughter is grievously ill. Please do something. And Jesus will. And he always did. But every time Jesus prayed, what did he do? He looked up to the Father and said, Father. And Jesus is saying, I want to get, get away. I want to get out of your way so that your eyes can be clear. So that you can see the Father. And, and think about it. He said, in that day, when I'm no longer with you, you will not ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask. In my name, in my name, whatever you, whatever, how many things, whatever, how many things, whatever you ask, in my name. If you ask the Father directly, he said he will give you. And why did he say he will give you? He said, go ahead, he said, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name because you've only been asking from me. 
So the authority is in the name. Think about it. When, if Scott Morrison walks through the door, he's the Prime Minister of Australia. Okay, so until now you've not asked for anything in my name. So if Scott walks through the door and sits down, he'll be like every other person. You know that? People like every other person. But if we heard, and anyone else heard, that Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia, will be visiting the Trans Air Church in a few days, what do you think will happen? The place will be filled. There will be police everywhere, possibly. All right? You know what makes the United States of America pres uh, American president important? The media. It's the name. And that is why all of a sudden, when one sitting president is removed for another one to come in, all the glory and grandeur that goes with that person stops and is transferred to the other person because it's in the name. When the president dies, it's done and dusted. As long as that name is passed on to another person, then that grandeur is passed on. It's in the name. What do they say about using another person's identity? What do they call it? Impersonation, right? Impersonation. Well, you could have said, well, I didn't do it. But your name is on it. Your name is on it. Someone called in your name. Someone did it in your name. Someone used your card. Say, but I, it, I wasn't the one. But it, just, it looks like you. Someone even used your fingerprints. Say, but I wasn't the one. But everything points to you. The evidence says you are the one. Although you were not physically there. But the evidence says it's you. And Jesus is, and Jesus is saying, hey. How about the evidence that my name carries? That when you mention my name, it feels like I'm the one right there. The devil hears it. He trembles. If it's just only me, I can't reach out to a million people at once. But how about a million people just using the name and the authority in my name? The Father is he's able to do anything. But until you use my name, his hands are tied because his authority flows through one gate. Are you still here? So until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. And the disciples will be thinking, but we've been asking. You say, yeah, because you've been asking me, but not in my name. And that was why they were surprised. When Jesus sent out the 72... And they went, he said, and he said, he gave, the Bible said, he gave, him, gave them his name. So in Jesus' name, they cast out demons and devils. And when they came back, they said to Jesus, oh, we used your name. And devils bowed whilst we were talking. Uh, and Jesus said, great, because I actually saw the devil himself fall from heaven. Say, but a time is coming. But another time, the disciples came back to Jesus and said, we, we saw some people. They aren't with us. They're not part of this crew. But they're using your name and doing exactly what you're doing. But they're using your name. So, and Jesus said, leave them alone. If they're not against us, they're for us. And what was Jesus saying? Hey, they know much better than you do. Because they know to use my name. But you have not. You think hanging around the master it's all that there is. 
No, it's not just hanging around the master. It's knowing fully well that wherever you are, the master is there if you use his name. Why? Because that's where the power is. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask. Now, it says, ask in my name and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. And then verse 26, in that day, hey, in that day, that time, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying, haha, I'm not saying I will ask the father for you. Are you still here? What is it saying? Say, don't tell me to ask the father. Uh-huh. So don't tell me to ask the father. Because then you'll be missing out. I probably bureaucracy may step in. And you have to wait for a while until I hear. <laughs> not really. But you see, I'm not going to carry your file from one table to another. You have direct access to the father. So just ask the father. You've got direct access. In that day, you will ask in my name. Full stop. I'm not saying, in other words, get it. Get it. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Why? No, the Father himself loves you. Because the Father himself loves you. He loves you. If only you get that. The Father himself loves you. In other words, the reason I came to earth is because of you. Because of you. For God so loved the world. Get it? Yep, that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus is here, although God looked at Jesus and went, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is saying, actually, the person that is most loved is you. So for the father himself, himself, himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed. That is where it is. And I believe that I came from the father and have believed. In other words, it works on your faith level. So do you believe? If you believe, then you can go straight to the Father and ask. Ask in my name. So, but why is Jesus so keen about his name? Why is he so keen? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. You know, Isaiah was prophesying. And he, 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 he was prophesying about Jesus. And he went. He said, for unto us a child is born. And unto us. A son is given. What was next? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name. He goes straight for the name. He didn't talk about any other thing that he's going to do. He said, but the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name shall be called. And then he went ahead to say, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. But the first part is his name. He made us understand the contents and, and what his name stood for. Wonderful. Anything amazing. Counselor, if you ever need it. The mighty God, because he's mighty to save. Everlasting Father, because he's, he's been there from the very beginning. And when you are no longer on the platform, he will still be there. And the Prince of Peace, he brings peace when you are so, so 
disgusted with yourself and thinking, oh, no, I don't know what to do. It still brings peace. Brings peace. He said, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. The last one I want to quickly take tonight. James chapter 5, verse 13. Don't forget what we've been talking about tonight is the prayer of faith. All right? James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Who is in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Full stop. Then the next verse goes, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Verse 14 again. Let's look at that very quickly. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray. To do what? To pray over them and anoint them with oil. In the, in the what? Name of the Lord. You can as well go to pray over them in the name of the Lord. And anoint them in, with oil in the name of the Lord. So those are two separate things, right? But which one is more important? Verse 15 is going to tell us which one is actually more effective. He said, and the prayer. Why didn't you say the oil? Well, he said the prayer offered in faith. He didn't say the oil used in faith. He said the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It's a prayer that makes the, the sick person well. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up again. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. King James Version, very quickly, please. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save, shall bring salvation. The prayer of faith shall bring salvation. Say, call the elders, great. But let the elders pray over them and anoint them with oil, great. But it's actually the prayer of faith that makes the sick person well, that saves the sick. And if they've done anything wrong, it shall be forgiven them. He's not even saying pray over them for forgiveness of sin. It's a pray the prayer of faith, not the prayer of forgiveness. It's the prayer of faith. Because the prayer of faith knows that when I'm talking to a loving and amazing God, regardless of what I've done, he looks at me first. Question. If a young child, now let's even say that child is not yours, but if a young child falls into a ditch, what would be the first thing you say? You're not even thinking about what to say. You get them out. You get them out quickly, quickly. You're not going to ask, how did you get there? Tell me how you got there. Even if you've been asking the child, please don't get close to that fridge. Don't get close to that ditch. Don't get close. And at the end of the day, they fall into the ditch. Do you go back there and say, but I've been telling you not to fall into the ditch, right? I've been telling you, you don't listen. You're so, you don't do that. 
You get them out first. You save them first before you deal with the other part. Before you deal with their disobedience. You get them out first. And Jesus, um, Paul is saying, or rather James is saying, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven after he's been saved. In other words, the forgiveness of sin is contained in the prayer of faith. It's contained. It's part and parcel of it. So in other words, you're not going, oh God, this person is sick. Oh God, is, is, is this his sin? No. Every time that Jesus healed the sick, he didn't go, what have you done? How many times do we hear Jesus saying, what have you done? In fact, it's the disciples that, have, that, that came to Jesus and go, what made him sick? Is this his parents' you know, sin or his great-grandfather's sin or his great-grandmother? No, Jesus say, no, for the glory of God. So can I tell you why you don't need deliverance from your great-grandfather's sins? Because at times some people go, well, it's a sin, it's a, it's a, it's a hereditary, something from your great-grandparents. No, it is not. Why? Because you are new. You are a new creation. All things are passed away. That tie was cut when you believed in Jesus. All right? But if that is still affecting you, you know that you went back to tie, back, tie the ties again. And you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So tonight we're going to pray. And we've talked about a few things tonight. And we'll continue with that tomorrow. But first and foremost, we now realize that we ought to pray in the name of Jesus. And we do not want to sound like pagans. Or hypocrites. Are we still here? No paganism. No hypocrisy. Alright? Because that's how God hears our prayers. Without trying to sound like, oh God, hear me now. Can you hear me now? So that people can see. Your prayers is right answered there. Right there. Okay. Or like pagans. Who babble a lot. But we are completely sure. Who we are talking to. Okay. Tonight. We are not going to be dependent on angels. Or, or the Virgin Mary. But we are going to be dependent. On the name of Jesus. And not praying to Jesus either. But we are going to be dependent on the name of Jesus. As a password. Through that door. To the Father. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the high priest who intercedes on our behalf. He intercedes on our behalf to the Father. In other words, when you are not bold, when you are a bit, you know, fickly and fiddly with your own perception of God, he says Jesus intercedes. He said we do not have a high priest. That's Hebrews. We do not have a high priest who do not understand the feelings of our infirmity for those who are going through. He said who does not understand and sympathize with the feelings of our infirmities, but Jesus Christ, the righteous, who was tempted just as we are, but yet without sin. Yet without sin. So he said, that's our high priest. So the high priest is meant to sanctify those who are still on their way to the Father. Are you still here? That's what the high priest is meant to do. But you see, those who are already with the Father no longer requires a high priest. 
Jesus opened the door to the Father. Right? He opened the door to the Father. And, and, and this is where it is. Let's not underestimate our position to think that we do not have access to the Father. That's the positioning. That's what it's about. Jesus is saying, you have access to the Father. Don't put the Father in such a position that is unreachable. So he's saying, I'm getting out of the way so you can access him. Whilst together, all together, he's our Lord and Savior. He, he does everything on our behalf, right? But he's saying, hey, your perception of the Father is twisted. The Father is not the one who is always sitting there thinking, okay, this is what you've done right and this is what you've done wrong. Because that's how we used to perceive the Father. He said, but I'm getting out of the way. So that you understand that the Father himself, himself loves you. Why did he say himself? He could have just said the Father loves you. But, but he wanted to emphasize, just for emphasis, to let you know that he, the Father himself loves you. Yes. Okay. Jesus ever lives, that's in Hebrews. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the, according to the will of God. That's, that, that's the end of our scripture. According to the will of who? Of the Father. Alright? But he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And these are the saints who are in graduation to perfection because of our own perception of ourselves. But never forget that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So if we are God's righteousness in Christ Jesus, why do we need intercession? Why do we need intercession? Because an intercessor is the one who stands in the gap in between. Because these people are thinking we do not have direct access, so we need someone who speaks on our behalf. And that's also a perception because we're thinking God does not love us as much as Jesus says he, he does love us. So we need to go back to mom so that mom can talk to dad for us. But that is saying, I love you. Just come. Ask whatever you will. And I'll do it. Tell me mom says you can go to the party. And I will, I will drive you there. So he ever lives to make intercession for us according to the will of God. These are the saints who are still graduating. Whilst we are all saints in Christ. But when you start to understand that Jesus does not have to stand to make an intercession that we have direct access to the Father, it changes the whole perception when we have the revelation. That is correct. Does that make sense? And Jesus calls himself the firstborn amongst many brethren. And who are the rest brethren? So should my little girl ask my oldest boy, for permission to get to me. Because she has the same access that my older one has. Alright? He's the firstborn, but yeah, he has the same access. He has the same access. And that's what Jesus is telling us. You've got access. And on this, until we start to understand the access, our level of access, we will not reduce our way or our perception of the way we perceive God. You know, we, we won't reduce our, you know, the way he sees us. Because the Father himself loves you. And I think we should believe Jesus if he said that. Yes. Yes. Right? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's first John. First John. Say as he is, so are we in this world. As he is. As he is. So Jesus is always looking for a way to pull us up. But at times our perception is always looking for a way to sit right under. That we are sitting at the same platform does not reduce his ability, does not reduce his glory. Do you understand that? He does not reduce it. He does not reduce it. And that's the same way that we sitting together does not reduce your quality of life or the kind of person that you are. Right here, right now, there might be bankers, there might be professors, there might be whatever you are. But that we are sitting together does not reduce your title or something else outside. But we are all equal in the eyes of God. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. We are all equal. Nevertheless, who you are now starting to talk about titles, he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Above all, right? He is. He is. Just the same way my boy has his name, Ethan, and he knows what he's good at. You know, my younger boy has his name, Jaden. He knows what he's good at. He likes art. My boy doesn't like art as much as Jaden likes art, but he likes soccer much more than every other one, and this one likes to dance. They are different. They are different. But when you're talking about soccer, he comes out. When you're talking about fighting the devil and killing him dead, Jesus go, I already did that. So you don't have to do it. God bless you. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. So tonight, let's pray. Knowing fully well that God is doing something in our day. And say the time is coming and now is. And now is. Now is the time. Thank you Holy Spirit. Thank you Holy Spirit. We're praying against depression. It has no place. It has no place. It has no place. It has no place in God's children's lives. It has no place. It has no place. You've given us the word. You, you commanded us to rejoice evermore. So in other words, in the place of depression, we speak rejoicing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a transformation going on right now. There's a transformation going on. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing right now. Right now. The stronghold is broken. In the name of Jesus, stronghold is broken. Stronghold is broken. You've broken the stronghold of death. You've broken the stronghold of addiction. You've broken the stronghold of depression, anxiety. You've broken the stronghold of schizophrenia. You've broken the stronghold. I thank you, God, because you've broken the stronghold of poverty. In the name of Jesus, you've broken the stronghold of frustration. You've broken the stronghold of unbelief. I thank you, God, it's broken. Is broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We look to no one but you tonight. Thank you, God. Because you started doing an amazing thing in this house. 
It will continue, God, until this whole city is inundated by your power. In the name of Jesus, these three days of glory will extend, will be sustained. It will become, God, a season. It will become a season of power in the name of Jesus. That the eyes of men and women will look back again unto you. Thank you, God. I praise you for what you do. I praise you for what you started in this house. I praise you for what you started in everyone who worships in this house. I praise you for what you started in every church that is represented in Penrith. I praise you, God, for what you started. It's a season of miracles. It's a season of healing. It's a season of transformation. I believe you for it, God. I believe it. It is happening in the name of Jesus. And anyone who names the name of Jesus will experience this change in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I praise you. Ah, shake he baron de hala haste. Zopanke kogs abey toling de brahasto. Skibrodante kali. Rompak stagisha. Hubrahista da tonske. It will be head God. That the work you've started. Oh, hallelujah. Will continue to spread and spread and spread and spread. It will have no boundary. I praise you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.